The Near Futurist, a podcast with Guy Clapperton. Hello, and thanks for downloading The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. In this episode, we're going to revisit the theme of retail. People are returning to the shops, but some will be reluctant. So, how can technology help? Now, at this point, as you're aware, if you're a regular listener, I normally stop and do a quick bio of myself and hint that if you have a conference coming up, I can be available as MC or speaker. Very subtle. No one's planning conferences at the moment, so I'll just say that if your job means you need to do press interviews or you want help with online presentation skills, you can find me at remotemediatraining.com. I've been a technology journalist for 30 years or more, and I do know where the traps are. Plus, I've been training remotely for over 10 years. But you didn't come to this podcast for that. You came to hear what my guest has to say. He's something of a technology veteran, having spent the best part of 20 years delivering technology-based solutions for business, starting his career as technical consultant and then transitioning into commercial roles at London Equisys, moving on to found his first startup, MindAction, after over seven years. He's held senior roles in SEO junkies and Perius, but he's here as co-founder of GoInStore, which he co-founded in 2014, and his name is Aman Kurana. Aman, welcome. Thank you for having me, Guy. Lovely to be here. Excellent. Okay, well, with thanks to your associates for sending that intro over, it's never the same as talking to someone. So tell me about yourself and your organization. Sure, guys. So um, I founded the organization alongside my co-founder in 2014. That's Andre Hordegoda. Myself and Andre have known each other for the best part of 30 years now. We actually went to secondary school together, went separate our separate ways at university and then met up again probably about 10 years ago working at the same e-commerce organization. We founded the company in 2014, a company's called Go In Store, and it was founded on the basic principle that the online shopping experience for consumers was lacking a human element. We strongly believed in the human touch, in people buy from people, and in the fact that if you really want to have a fantastic customer experience, you need to have your brand ambassadors, your product experts, your best assets involved in that experience. And that's where actually GoInStore was born, delivering the ability for online consumers and customers to connect to the most relevant brand ambassador or product expert belonging to a retailer or brand in the online channel. Okay, now I'd like to take a step back from the specific company if I could, but I mean, as we record, it's relatively early June, this will be going out in a few weeks time. So we don't know how emerging from lockdown is going to go. What contingency plans have you advised your retail clients to adopt? Lockdown is easing clearly, but it's going to take a a long time for society as general to get back to norm. And, And what is the norm? There's going to be a new norm because we're not going to go back to the way it was before. And retailers are very aware of this. So they're taking steps and precautions to to kind of deal with what they anticipate being the new norm. And so things that are being done are, so we've got good examples already, actually. Some of our clients are based in Europe and they started easing lockdown measures before we have, so about two weeks ago. And what we've seen is they've kept some staff working from home and only let some staff back to the stores because they know the demand in the stores is going to be less. The staff that are working from home are helping the online customers with their shopping journeys using a technology like ours, go in store, to facilitate that buying experience. So they're fully aware that a number of people will come back to the stores, but the footfall is going to take a long time to go back to the levels 
that it previously was. Additionally, measures that they're taking in stores as contingencies are really around improving the experience relative to the circumstance. And that is people are going to take a long time to feel safe again. People are not going to be feel comfortable going to the store, interacting with other humans as they once did. So things like ease of payment and payment electronically via different payment methods, being a completely cashless transaction is going to be heavily fulfilled within the new shopping journey. Having curbside pickup where you can pick up your items directly from a store or from a pickup point without having to leave your vehicle is actually another contingency plan that some people are putting in place. Having same day delivery options is a very big thing because consumers want the convenience and the immediacy of making a purchase and having access to that purchase straight away. And at the moment, even though we have very good delivery options and we've moved significantly stronger in that regard over the past few years, no one is really doing same day delivery especially well, but we have to start doing that especially well now in the current circumstances. So there are a number of different areas where stores are making contingency plans, as well as then obviously when visiting the stores, what measures are they taking within the store to try and instill further consumer confidence? So having sanitization stations within the store, ensuring that the two meter social distancing rule is adhered to by having marshals within the stores to help the customer fulfill those obligations. These are all items that retailers are seriously considering, but the impact of that as well is a lot more logistical effort on the part of the retailer and it means their overall efficiency in terms of the number of people they can have going through their organisations is far less. And let's not forget the, uh, the logistics as well of keeping those marshals safe and all the staff safe. That's got to be a major, major consideration for them. We're really talking about massive business transformation, aren't we? Many stores operate on uh, low margins and you know, the idea that they can suddenly transform into a different business overnight is uh, it's quite an ask, isn't it? It is. I mean, even picking up on the point you just mentioned there, that's very, very valid. So one of our clients currently, they're ready to go back to the store. The staff are ready. They're ready to open up. However, they haven't got the adequate levels of PPE in order to protect the staff in order for them to go back to the store because there's such short supplies. So these are all considerations are having a, a phenomenal knock-on effect to actually how staff are going to operate in the new world. And obviously, you've got some staff members that are very happy to go back to store because you know they're more confident than others. You've got other staff members that are not happy working in the current climate and going back to working in store and dealing with people on a day-to-day -day basis. Let's assume, and I accept that we're being hostages of fortune here as, uh, as we speak, the uh, stores haven't started opening up quite yet. That's happening next week. But a section of customers is going to want to actually stay at home. Leaving your own offerings aside and speaking generally, if we could, uh, what sort of technologies are around to help uh, the customers and the stores? So what we've seen recently is a, a very high demand on customer service because that's traditionally been the only mechanism outside of actually visiting the physical store that customers have the opportunity to contact and engage with the brand or the retailer. So we've seen increasing demands put on customer service, normally via a number that they would call or via text chat on the website. What we can see is that evolving significantly. So I believe um, all businesses will improve their customer service offering to make it 
a lot more accessible and reduce waiting times for their customers. Um, in terms of solutions that people are using, I've started to see people engaging more in AR type technologies, which makes sense. I think that's some augmented are, reality in case any listeners aren't sure. It, it is indeed. And, and I think there's a couple of ways around this. I think there are some augmented reality solutions that are very valuable and are offering a genuine solution to a, to a real need. And I think there's others that you could say fall under a gimmicky type of solution that may be a fun to use, but when push comes to shove and people are considering their budgets and what to spend their money on, uh, especially as we go back and, and, and times are going to be very tough for retail, whether they're going to be used so much or not is, is to be determined. So scenario- I was going to ask about that. I've covered augmented reality before and I actually tried some out because uh, our tumble dryer broke down. It was beyond uh, economic repair. Don't tell me I don't give you any exclusives on this show. Uh, and um, we went on to a well-known retailer's site, and this site offered this thing called augmented reality. It would actually superimpose the new tumble dryer into wherever we wanted it in the house. So basically, if you want to know what it would look like in my living room, hovering over the dog, I can show you a picture. But I mean, seriously, for so many things, TVs, tumble dryers, etc., they're all gonna look the same. And if they're the right size and the, la- and the same size as the last one, is this actually a technology step too far, do you think? For me personally, that would fall under the gimmicky scenario. Personally, it doesn't rock my boat. I do have friends, even colleagues, that have used those type of technologies, and they, and, and they like it, whether that is a business-critical technology for a business to run and whether clients actually really benefit from that technology, I think is down to the individual. But there are other examples of AR that I think could be beneficial. So, for example... A number of the clothing outlets and stores that reopen, they won't be able to reopen their changing room facilities. So how, how are customers going to try clothes on? There are a number of good AR solutions out there that allow you to try on clothes and see what they would look like and also allow for size matching for yourself to get a better representation of what you should be purchasing. So that type of solution for me, I can see will add real value. Whereas I agree, having uh, the tumble dryer position somewhere in your kitchen um, with the dog running all over it might not be too too beneficial. Yeah, and I suppose also there's things like, you know, what will that sofa look like in that living room with your colour scheme if you can get an actual simulated photo of it to look at? That could be of value. A hundred percent. In fact, my girlfriend has used that several times. She's a bit of an interior designer and she loves modelling these different versions of our living room and, and telling me what new furniture we need and how good it would look. So definitely, I think there are use cases there. One criticism levelled at a number of the online giants, who we say, mentioning no names from time to time, is that they can't personalise the experience. It's pure logistics. Now, I don't underestimate the importance of logistics. As you say, the same-day delivery will be a matter of amazing logistics. But um, how can technology help retailers to get over that personalization? I think that criticism is very just, very, very just. And I think, unfortunately, a number, so, so we had these pure player retailers that grew at phenomenal growth rates over the past few years, um, Amazon and Alibaba being the two largest examples, but off those, a number of others are falling into that space. And then what we had was traditional retailers then following suit. And what they done was they picked up the same model. And what that model is, logistically, a fantastic model, very efficient, a lot of AI and machine learning in the background, but it does, as you say, completely depersonalize the shopping experience. And the reason for doing that is to reduce costs. 
It's let's try and take the human out of the transaction. Let's try and automate as much as we can um, so that we can reduce the cost and make this thing so efficient. Well, that's great if you're selling T-shirts, maybe a book, uh, a pair of stocks, um, something that's an impulse buy or something where there's not much research being done or much consideration being done. That works pretty well. But in scenarios where you're making what I would say is a considered purchase, so something that you would spend some time investigating, maybe something that you might buy once a year or once every three years. Maybe it's something that's a high ticket item. Obviously, that's really relative to the individual, but it's costing you a lot of money or something that is quite complicated to understand. In those scenarios, the best and most important part of the sales process is engaging with a product expert. And you can't get away from that. Engaging with a human being that's able to understand your requirements in detail and very quickly, because of their highly trained nature, guide you to the right product. And that human interaction is one of the best aspects about shopping. And what you can't get in the online traditional world, the worlds of the Amazons, is that human experience. But what we're now seeing is brands, retailers, really understanding that and really understanding that actually, if I try and replicate the experience that my customer has when they visit a store, if I try and replicate that as much as I can in the online channel, I'm going to deliver a far superior customer experience. And on top of that, it's going to allow me to differentiate myself from my competition. And that's one of the biggest things, because at the moment, if you don't do that, how do you differentiate? On price? And price is one of the worst things you're trying to differentiate on, because all you're doing is eating into your margin. And the results now show that actually, if you deliver a fantastic consumer experience to your customers, they are far more likely to increase their spend with you, return and spend again with you and be an advocate for your brand, thus promoting your brand to their friends, family and colleagues. So actually it ends up being a win-win. So what do retailers do about things like, uh, I believe the phrase is showrooming, where people go into a retail store in normal times, they get all the expertise off the person they're talking to, they get all the advice on whether it's an oven, whether it's a, a smart speaker, whether it's furniture, whatever they, uh, they get advice on. And they then go home and go online to look for the cheapest price for the identical item. Yeah, it's a common trend. And I think this is symptomatic of one of the biggest problems that retail faces. Retail has now been segmented into channels and you've got different channels. You've got the retail channel, which is a traditional store channel. Then you've got the online channel, which is the website. Maybe you've got an app channel for people that have mobile applications you can purchase on that you've got your social channel which are people now purchasing through different social media interactions so you've got all of these channels that are running and the business is said we're a multi-channel organization brilliant all that means is we've got five or six different sales channels from a consumer perspective you don't really care about the channel what you care about is i understand your brand I have a perception of your brand and how I should engage with your brand. And therefore, I expect to engage with that brand in the same way, regardless of the method I'm using to engage with that brand. So regardless of the channel. So what's now happening is that businesses have started to wisen up to this and understand they need to represent now a single channel. And then, then we have the birth of omni-channel, which is a buzzword that's been kicking around for a couple of years now. Oh, we're an omni-channel business. We're an omni-channel solution. What does that mean? Essentially, what it should mean is that all of your channels are connected in real time. Everyone has a clear understanding of what's going on. Whenever your customer engages with you, regardless of the channel they're engaging with, they experience 
the same identity, the same experience, and actually they have information about their experience on each channel being passed amongst all of those channels. So if we go back to the question you're asking, which is around how do businesses stop showrooming? Well, what we do is if we can offer our customer an excellent an outstanding level of service across whatever channel they choose to engage us with, because of the richness of that experience, they're much more likely to make that purchase and continue that journey with me as a brand. Because actually, if we take survey and results from customers, when we're looking at what are the most important things for them, depending on what the purchase is, it's not necessarily the price. It's about the experience, the value for money that they're getting, and the trust in that brand or experience. So if we can offer our customers a better overall experience, regardless of the channel, we've got much more chance of them engaging with us. If I were a smaller business looking at this, I would be thinking I can see everything you're saying makes sense, but oh my goodness, where do I start? Is this going to really sort of emphasize the difference between larger and smaller businesses, do you think? Sometimes it's harder from a larger business perspective because there's a lot of cogs to move and there's a lot of minds to turn. And fortunately, a lot of the larger businesses still work in silos. So you've got the e-commerce department that just cares about the online business. You've got the retail department that still cares about the retail business. The actual employees in the store see their own website as a competitor, someone who's taking away their commission. You know, we, we have to move away from these silos, you know, until we start uh, getting store colleagues and associates involved in online sales and paying them commission for those online sales, the businesses are going to stay working in silos and see each other as competitors. So in some ways, the smaller businesses, where it's a lot more controlled and there's not as many boundaries to, to overcome, have got an opportunity now to in some ways get a leapfrog on the larger organizations. Of course, there are stumbling points in terms of finances, but what happens is as technologies start getting more widespread, as is normal, and they become the new norm, the price of those technologies start to come down and they become much more widely accessible. So I do believe that the larger organizations have no choice but to change the way in which they conduct themselves, the way in which their businesses operate, and to improve the online shopping experience, the e-commerce experience. As a result, the technologies that they use to do that will start be getting a lot more usage and therefore the, uh, there'll be a lot more competition emerging with those technologies, which overall will drive down the price and make those type of technologies more accessible across the market to different sized businesses. Okay, now um, connecting people with specialists, I understand as part of your offering is good, but uh, that sounds to me as if I, I can't quite get my head around how that, disappear, uh, that uh, differs from just phoning in for some advice. And I understand your own technology at Go In Store started off when you saw Google Glass, and we all know how uh, well, spectacularly well that went for Google. I just wonder if you could tell me a bit about what it is that you do and what, what your starting points were and how you bring that expertise and that relationship between the, the customer and the retailer um, into your offering. Your, your first point there is very, very valid. What we do is actually extremely basic. We're connecting uh, visitors that are online on a, on a particular website to staff members that are located somewhere. It might be in a store, but it might be working from home. It might be in a dark store as we go into the future. But we're connecting website visitors to product experts in real time via a live video feed. So on a very high level, that sounds like a very basic thing to do. But actually, we have to take it deeper and we have to actually understand how consumers work and how retailers work. So what we do know is that the traffic 
as in the footfall coming to retailers websites is significant so some of our some of the brands and retailers that we work with they get it in excess of a million visitors a day how are we going to have the opportunity to surface a million video calls in a day have we got a million staff members to answer those video calls we haven't so actually what we do is we track consumer behavior and based upon the intelligence uh, that we, we gain from tracking that consumer behavior, we can choose when to surface a call to action, which is basically a round all that allows that consumer to use our service. We can decide when to surface that call to action. So we can target which consumers we believe are the most relevant to use our service. When the consumer then launches the service, the most important thing to get right is to connect them to the most relevant person if they're interested in a specific product or for example they're located in a specific part of the world or a specific part of a country we might want to connect them to an expert that's local to them because they might want to pop down to the store later on or we might want to connect them to someone that's got the right product knowledge that can benefit from the questions that they've got and also probably that's got the product in stock so they can demo the product so there's some intelligence that we're using to decide when to surface the call to action to pick the right consumers. And then there's some intelligence to work out how do we route the call through to the most relevant product expert. We then surface the right product expert. We have a live connection. It's a one-way video because you still want the convenience of being anonymous if you're calling um, as a consumer perspective. But it's a one-way video from the expert to the customer and it's a two-way audio. Now on top of that, Let's use technology to make that shopping experience, let's bring it to life and make it a lot more enjoyable and useful for the customer. So what we can do is we can surface information about the customer's journey to the expert. So we can surface some history about what the customer's interested in, what type of product they're inquiring about, so that the expert is then able to focus the conversation around those specific points. Additionally, we've got the ability for the customer to be able to add the product that they're interested in to their basket because the expert can just simply click a button and say, okay, here's the product that you're interested in. I'm now sending this to you. If you accept this, it adds it to your basket. So there are a number of features built into the technology that enhances the shopping experience and allows the consumer to benefit from the convenience of online, but then simultaneously benefit from a humanized shopping experience that, that previously they would only get from going to a store. Okay, and uh, where can people see examples of it in action? Who, who are your, say, your UK or any US clients that you might have? Sure, so uh, there's a number of, I guess the clients that we typically work with are ones where there is, they've got a product set which warrants a, a considered purchase. So the likes of Curry's PC World uh, is one of our very close partners, Mamas and Papas, Sophology, HP is a, is a very close partner that's been working with us for a couple of years. Brompton Bikes, Ribble Bikes, uh, Dyson's another good example. So these are all customers that if you go onto their UK websites, you'll see our technology in action and you can try using the technology there. I would encourage it because it offers a completely different level of customer experience that um, users wouldn't have experienced before because users are typically used to experiencing live chat, a text-based solution, or just connecting to a call center. Whereas now they can really engage with a product expert and have that one-to-one -one service. Well, there are some very professional call centers out there. Let's not uh, do that particular industry down. There's also some bad ones I know, but I have seen some up close and personal where they do have genuine expertise.
Finally, where can people find out more about you and, of course, about Go In Store? Sure. So um, welcome to go on our website, which is goinstore.com. Find out more about the technology. But I think the, be the best thing I would recommend is please go to one of our client sites and try it out. And that's where we see the best results. And we actually see, especially during this, this recent period of COVID, where some people that traditionally would not have used our technology, they were skeptical for whatever reasons. They've now started to use the technology because they've had no other choice. And the feedback that we've had from those particular users has been truly phenomenal. So I would definitely encourage anyone to go and try it on one of our customer websites. Alan Karana of Go Store, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, Guy. It's been an absolute pleasure. And many thanks to you for listening. That was the Near Futurist podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfuturist.co.uk or my media training site at remotemediatraining.com. I'll be back as always in two weeks' time. Take care.